You're listening to a podcast by the Center for Action and Contemplation. To learn more, visit cac.org. Hi, everybody. I'm Jackie Lewis, and this is Love Period, a podcast about how to love ourselves, our posse, and the world fiercely on the way to making the world better. Today, my guest is the Reverend Daryl Hamilton. He is an ordained Baptist minister. He's a writer, and he's a poet and a revolutionary. He also happens to be one of the executive ministers at Middle Collegiate Church, a job he began uh, in January of 2021. Daryl, thanks for coming today. Welcome. So glad to be here, Jackie. Thank you. I'm so glad you joined our team at Middle Church. Can you tell the folks who are listening what that's been like for you? You joined the staff, Daryl, mm-hmm. in COVID, mm-hmm. and then we had a fire. Mm-hmm. What's this? What's this journey to Middle Church been like for you? Oh man, um, that's really a, a, a great question. Um, I have the image of fire mm-hmm. in my mind right now. Um, fire in a way that is also refining, mm-hmm. um, a way that is um, enlightening, um, also in a way that is scolding. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I feel like there's been a lot of fire. In, in the transition here, uh, I have no doubt in my mind um, that my calling to this church um, was God led. Um, again, you know, there's, you know, some reference in scripture too about God guiding by, by a pillar of fire, you know, and so most definitely do I feel led here by fire um, in a time of fire. Uh, am I being warmed by the fire? Uh, your fierce fire, Jackie, as a leader. I'm being enlightened by the fire in ways in which I might not know every which way that I'm going, you know, but shining light sort of into the darkness, into the uncertainty, into the questions. Um, and I'm being scolded by the fire uh, because I am being stretched and I am being challenged in, in some new ways which is really, really um, important. And again, fire also refines. And so it's very refining as well. And so I know there was a work that God is doing at this time. And so I'm just really grateful um, that I was willing to to say yes to the call and the move of the Spirit. I'm so glad that you said yes. I really am. And I love the way you're reflecting on all these different ways that fire is, um, is part of this calling, right? The leading, the enlightening, the shaping, the refining. Mm-hmm. And I just want to say that I am thrilled to have you as a colleague. Mm-hmm. Young black man mm-hmm. called to a multi-ethnic situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, as we're talking, we're right on the we're right on the day that commemorates 100 years since the Tulsa mm-hmm. massacre. And that's your home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Daryl, talk to us about that kind of fire. Talk about the fire of that oppression, the fire of that wounding. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, thank you for that, that good question. Yeah, and so just for everybody listening, so I'm born and raised Oklahoma City. Uh, more specifically a suburb, Edmond, Oklahoma. And so Tulsa, Oklahoma is literally hour and a half up the highway. Uh, and so very much so has the, I don't want to say the story, but the, the narrative of, of the Tulsa race massacre, 
of Black Wall Street. You know, that's a history that I've always uh, known and been taught, not in my public school, uh, but my mother being one to always make sure that I was very cognizant of, you know, where I come from and and our roots uh, as Black people, Black people in Oklahoma. And, you know, coming on a, a hundred years is really significant because I'm thinking too, and I'm not trying to stay on that fire motif, but I ended up meeting this wonderful producer and they have a group out called Fire in Little Africa, you know? And so referring to the Greenwood neighborhood as Little Africa. And again, this idea about fire and the destruction and the raising of Little Africa, the raising of the Greenwood neighborhood, but also sort of this fire in terms of this 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 rekindling and this uh, retaking off of the story and the people, again, reclaiming power in, in their narrative, in their story. Um, and so, you know, Oklahoma, technically, geographically, we're Southern, you know, but we're not necessarily culturally Southern. You know, I say because we missed the war when those lines mm. were drawn. Uh, yeah. And so we have a lot more Midwestern tendencies coupled with some Southern tendencies. So a good little hodgepodge. Um, but yeah, but uh, this idea, though, about resiliency among black people in Oklahoma um, is very much so sort of ingrained in the in the in the DNA of our people. One thing that a lot of people don't know about Oklahoma, too, is, you know, there were a lot of black led towns uh, founded by black people. In Oklahoma, one particular small town now called Bowley, Oklahoma, was, you know, one like a, a community, you know, by, for black people, by black people. Uh, we got, again, the Greenwood neighborhood in Tulsa um, and so many others. Uh, and so, again, this idea about resilience, this idea about rekindling, this, uh, this idea about uh, always wanting to reclaim a sense of power with, with our own story and our, with our own identity um, it's very much what it means, I guess, to be black and, you know, coming from uh, from that place. And so, yeah, you know, and, and I think, you know, the history and the story of black people in Oklahoma isn't told as much as, you know, the, the, the tragic story of, you know, indigenous people being paraded forcibly, you know, trail of tears to Oklahoma, meaning land of the red man, you know, Indian mm -hmm. territory, as it was previously called, you know, but black folks made our way there too. my ancestors uh, that I was able to trace back as far as Arkansas, uh, so I was able to actually locate a, a great grandfather who would have been born a slave in Arkansas, uh, who then might move their way to Oklahoma. And I'm presuming, I don't know for a fact yet, but I'm presuming when they opened it up for the land run that my ancestors would have been a part of that. And so there would have been so many other black people a part of that. And again, starting these black or these, these black led communities in the state. Um, and so, a running joke people tell me when I tell them I'm from Oklahoma is, you know, are there black people in Oklahoma? And I'm like, oh, most definitely. You know, black most people, definitely. we we don't infiltrate it everywhere, you know. <laughs> exactly. uh, and, and, if, right. and look no further than our pro basketball team, you know. And so, That's right. But yeah, but the story of black people in Oklahoma is, is definitely one of, of resilience and one of of power in the face of, of much oppression, much marginalization. I really want to encourage the people who are listening to this to like look this up. You know, almost all of the specials that are out right now about the about Tulsa and the massacre are telling the story of Oklahoma. Two beautiful historians mm -hmm. talking about these black towns and mm -hmm. black people like we're going to get up out of here and we're going to mm -hmm. go over here mm -hmm. and we're going to get this land and we're going to build and grow and just the pride. I was so moved to learn all about that. Mm -hmm. You know, we. Um, we are in a hot mess time, if we mm -hmm. can say with fire. 
mm-hmm. of just not unprecedented, mm-hmm. but well-documented mm-hmm. racial oppression, violence against black bodies. And I'm thinking about you growing up, Daryl, in Oklahoma and being a black boy in America. Mm-hmm. How did you learn? I always love your confidence in yourself. Mm. How, how did you learn to love yourself? Ooh, and, and do you ever yeah, go out over there? <laughs> <laughs> did you, do you ever have a hard time loving yourself? But how did you learn to love yourself? And if it ever gets tough, how do you get that love back? Ooh, you didn't, you didn't, you just don't got real. I'm not mad at it. That's why I'm, that's why I'm here. Uh, well, I'm just going to be very just honest and transparent with the folk and just say, you know, that is an ever, ever, um, persisting challenge, um, of trying to, to practice love of self. Um, there has always also been in me a, a, a strong longing, uh, to get a, under, a better understanding of self and then, with better understanding to also have better love of self. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I'll, I'll say, you know, I was, you know, fortunate enough to have a good, strong community around me. And I think about when I say that, I think about my mother in particular, who always sort of, you know, taught me even in, in some of the flaws, um, you know, ways in which to practice love of self and love of others. You know, my mother always being one who, would tell me, you know, she's never going to be too, too good to say, I'm sorry, you know? And so where she might've made mistakes with me to be able to take ownership and say, I'm sorry. And I take that to heart as well about how to practice love of myself to also be able to say, I'm sorry to myself in a sense, the Mm -hmm. sorry in a way in which I might not have loved myself well, give myself forgiveness, you know, for some of the things I have fallen short of, uh, throughout the course of my life, also giving myself, you know, a sense of grace, um, recognizing that I, I'm not going to be able to get it all right all the time, uh, but to, you know, show up and always give the best effort I can give um, in any particular moment. And then I'm also thinking of another lesson I got from one of my cousins that's always stuck with me is when it comes to decision making, you know, and being, you know, being brought up, you're always kind of taught about, you know, the right thing and the wrong thing. And again, this desire to always want to get it right and to do right and to do well and to not mm-hmm. disappoint. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my cousin gave me something that I've never let go of. And she said, it's not always about making right or wrong decisions, but about being able to be at peace with your decisions. Mm, um, that's good. And by being able to be, give myself some peace, I've been able to give myself some love too, you know, again, recognizing that I'm not going to always get it right. And it's not always about getting it right. It's not always about getting it wrong, but if you're going to make a decision, stand in it, do one that you know, you can be at peace with and, 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 and boldly walk, you know, that path, with your with your head held high. Um, And so those are just a couple of the lessons um, that I've, that I've learned, but I'll just to say though, it's been, they've been hard fought lessons that I'm consistently even battling to this day. Thank you, Daryl. That's beautifully said. You know, this, uh, you and I both resonate with this concept of Ubuntu. Mm-hmm. I am who I am because you are who you are, or a person as a person through other persons, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I wonder, it seems to me that that 
philosophy, that print, those principles predate mm-hmm. Christianity. No, they do. And they predate many of the world's major religions, almost all of which have some semblance of golden rule, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do unto others, don't do unto others, as you want mm-hmm. done to you. Mm-hmm. So when you think about, uh, kind of again, just growing up, growing up black, growing, mm-hmm. growing up black in America, mm-hmm. in a container, in a, in a context that just isn't good enough to kind of think about Donna Winnicott and good enough containers, you know, good enough care. It's not good enough for people of color. It's not good enough for black people. How did you learn to resonate with Ubuntu? What, what does that teach you about loving your posse, your people, the people Mm. around you? Mm. Can you connect that for us? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Jack, you got, you coming with the fire. Again, we just, just gonna keep that motif running. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so the first thing that came to my mind, um, so one of my spiritual mentors who I've uh, got, I did get a chance to meet one time, uh, and I know he will never remember it, uh, but I got to meet him, and that's Jeremiah Wright. Oh, wow. And <laughs> I was listening to uh, one of his um conversations it was on youtube which is again one of the one of the benefits of technology is like you know you actually can learn from folks that you might not ever get a chance to really sit in the same room with but you can still learn from them or all the things that they've documented but he was talking to a group of of young ministers and he was talking about how so many people are are so eager to lead people without first learning how to love people or be to, mm-hmm. to be a lover of people. Hmm. Um, and that's what really kind of helped that Ubuntu idea start to settle inside of me. Um, because again, we can get so, and I'll say myself and, and others, you know, but we you know, can get so caught up in, in, you know, we'll say, you know, clout chasing or, you know, getting the, getting the shine, getting the, the fame, getting on top directing people, shepherding people, whatever, but we, we don't first learn how to love people. Mm-hmm. Um, and this notion of Ubuntu being rooted in a loving of people, a seeing of, pe- of people, a celebration mm-hmm. of people, and, and, and which then breeds a solidarity with people. Mm-hmm. But again, but a deeper, a deeper than just, I'm a stand shoulder to shoulder with you, but rather there is a, a way in which I am connected, we are connected one to another. You know, one of the ways I saw this illustrated actually uh, was my uh, very first time in a mosque. Uh, and it was so profound to me. And this is something that I really wish to figure out, like how to kind of incorporate in, in the church space. But I'm looking at the mosque and, you know, despite, you know, our, my rather, uh, you know, disagreements with the way in which the politics of the mosque persist. Um, but I'm looking at the men mm-hmm. and I'm looking at the men stand shoulder to shoulder with one another. Mm-hmm. But then not only do they stand shoulder to shoulder, but they also prostrate themselves mm-hmm. together, you know, before God and with one another. And you just sort of listen to the rumbling of the of these men, these black men I'm looking at moving up and down, you know, to, to, to stand in a position of, of power, but to then to essentially sort of, you know, empty themselves, if you will, 
by laying prostrate, you know, before God one to another. And to me, that was such a powerful illustration about loving each other as well. And so how do I as a as a black man with black people get to a certain degree of loving of my people, a certain degree of intimacy with my people that transcends any sort of idea about brotherly love, transcends any sort of idea about an eros romantic love, but it really is the the embodiment of that agape, you know, mm-hmm. love. Um, where I will, you know, gladly lay down not only my life for you, but I'll also lay down next to you you know Mm -hmm. i will you know if if you're hurting i will literally you know lay down and hurt with you if you are celebrating i will literally stand up and i will celebrate with you you know i will uh really give of myself in the fullness that i can because again i am me because you are you and and if you can be the fullness of who you are therefore i can be the fullness of who i am and and that's and again that's a, that's another learning, uh, yeah. because Ubuntu wasn't an idea that I knew, you know, uh, twenty ten you know years ago, and so constantly trying to be reminded of that, and even in my personal life, you know, the ways in which I want to practice Ubuntu with people uh, in my own tribe, if you will, um, mm-hmm. you know, whether it be the, the the mother of my daughter, whether it be my own mother, my own father. Uh, my own siblings, my cousins, my my closest friends. Um, yeah. How do we live into Ubuntu with one another? Um, and how do I practice a deep love of them um, and all that they bring? Oh, that's gorgeous. Love period will continue in a moment. Is there life after doom? Explore the complexity of hope and grief at our upcoming event, Courage and Resilience, an online gathering with Brian McLaren. Unpack themes from Brian McLaren's new book, Life After Doom. Discover how to find courage, even when everything may feel hopeless. Join us live on May 17th at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. All those who register will have access to the recorded replay for one year. Register at cac.org slash courage. I was thinking, just as you were saying that last piece, this idea of who's our posse. I think sometimes, dear oldest, that there, those of us who are social justice warriors, like you and I are, like this, okay, that that family in India that is dying, ravaged mm-hmm. by COVID, right? Those are my mm-hmm. people, you know. That right, the people in California when the fires are burning, those are my people, right? Mm-hmm. The Jews being persecuted, those are my people. Mm-hmm. Right, the six being, you know, the, those are my people. But your people are your people, right? Sometimes mm-hmm. the people that are the hardest to love mm-hmm. and who need our love the most, right, is cousin Bebe and them, or mm-hmm. you know, your your friend who really wounded you so deeply that it's hard for you to forgive that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a, a a sibling, you know, tortured by something, you know, in your childhood that can't outgrow it. Mm-hmm. How do we love it? But your your back home again, son. I think Ubuntu relates to that as well, and I almost loved definitely it. made it personal like that, right? Yeah, and I think I, honestly, and this is what just came to me in this moment. I think our immediate family is meant to be our practice ground mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. how we can mm-hmm. then go out and then love members of our, I will say, extended family. 
if, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Um, it totally does. Totally and does. and one thing I say about some of these social justice warriors too um, is because because the the idea too is, is is also how do we love self right? Because right. I see Ubuntu as sort of I call it like an expanded sense of self. Yes, you know, like I love you yeah. too because I am you and you are me, you. right? right. Um, and so it's an expanded self. So how are we practicing love of self? You know, and I see so many social justice minded people, and I don't even know if they would say this about themselves, but this is what I perceive, um, is that oftentimes we will practice our love of neighbor. You know, we will go and stand at the picket line. We will go to the rally. We'll go to the march because it's so much easier to love the other than it is to practice loving ourself. Now, you know, the young people, like you say, that's an entire word. Oh, really? That's that, what they say? That, that's what I've heard in the world. <laughs> that, is, that is an entire word. Mm-hmm. It, is, it, is, it is the word, right? It is, mm-hmm. you know, our, our tradition says love your neighbor as yourself. Yes. And that as is an equal sign in the Greek. Yes. Well, maybe that's the problem is we are actually loving our neighbors as ourselves, as in we don't love ourselves. Mm, so therefore, girl. so therefore, right? Mm-hmm. So therefore we don't love our neighbors. Like, how is it possible? You mm-hmm. never learned to like you, you never learned to forgive you, you never learned to receive you, mm-hmm. you never learned to have grace for yourself. That was your first practice, That right? That was yeah. your first practice. Um, can, I, can I comfort myself? Daryl, think about, you know, you got a baby girl coming. Think about the child who doesn't learn how to comfort themselves. Mm-hmm. Think about the inability to self-soothe, the inability to be alone yeah. and comfortable. And how, or, or to make it more positive, think about the ways that we could teach our children, you are enough. Yes. You mm-hmm. are enough. And therefore, the organism that is passed to you, you, your mama, your first love object is your mama, you know, mm-hmm. you're the caregiver. We are one organism. And I don't think I ever heard King use the word Ubuntu, but mm-hmm. he is talking about it when he says, we're inextricably connected. I can't yes. be fully who I am until you're fully who you are, which yes. is to say he was getting that from Gandhi or from Thurman, you know, all of these teachings that are ancient, as ancient mm-hmm. as the world. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll just say, I mean, I think just to be real, and I might sound real churchy, I feel like he's just getting it from God. The mm-hmm. same way Thurman did, the same way mm-hmm. the, 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 the Zulu did, you know, the same way all of our ancient traditions did, you know. And so, you know, I think that just speaks to the sort of the universal truth that is evident, you know, in 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 life um, that King is, is, is tapping into with that particular quote right there. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, we are in the New York area doing our thing and all around the globe, the issues are so similar, scarce resources, mm-hmm. mess up mother earth, consume what you can, Whiteness, whiteness on top of all the stuff. Worry about immigration patterns, right? The power dynamic around land and identity that is the ongoing ubiquitous struggle between Palestine and Israel. Mm. Maybe I want to ask you, where does your heart break most about the world? Oh. Mm. Mm-hmm. I think it's that's a that's a, a good question. It's a little layered um, mm-hmm. because. In the heartbreak, there is also 
just to riff off you just slightly with a with a little bit of a Daryl paraphrase, there's also a fierce anger, mm-hmm. <laughs> if I may, mm-hmm. uh, yep. Yep. Uh, yep. just a, a, a genuine, um, I genuinely feel a, a righteous anger um, at the way in which there are folks in the world who just choose to just legislate evil. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so within the heartbreak is that, is that anger but there but above that is the the black people around the world the world over um who are just consistently being denied dignity being denied their humanity uh and the way in which not just that they're being denied their humanity, but there's also, I think, an element of denial about their humanity. And what I mean by that is that all of us are, in fact, the same. All of us have same origins. All of us are, and I love Alice Walker's definition uh, of of womanism and and the image of, you know, our, our mother's gardens, right? And, and and she asked the question about you know why does the garden have all of these different colors uh, of of flowers in it, you know? And I but I see that image as what you know what blackness actually is like blackness. What it means to be black is to encompass the entire spectrum of mm-hmm. the rainbow, you know. Mm-hmm. And 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 whiteness is an attempt to disassociate itself from that rainbow. It's an attempt to be set apart. And I use that word intentionally, um, but in a in a sacrilegious way. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. From that rainbow, right? It, they they think it's is holy, but in fact, it's 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 sacrilege in the way in which they yeah. choose to be set apart. Um, and so, my heart breaks in the way in which we fail to see again back to this idea about Ubuntu, back to this idea about an expanded self that we fail to see ourselves. Mm-hmm. And the other, and it's not that to see ourselves means that we have to be the same, but that we're kin. Yeah, you know that we have That's common true. blood, that we have a common origin. You know that all of us originate from the black continent and from the black soil and from the motherland, if you will. You know, and so for us to see that and to 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 claim that, then it's like then and then in my imagination. Hopefully, it's a moral imagination and not a uh, <laughs> a uh, uh, fantastical imagination or a naive imagination. But for us to see ourselves and the other, and to then when we do that, there's no reason to pit one above or one below. Right. You know, because we are all the same. We are all equal before God and equal before one another, and therefore we not only treat each other that way, but we ensure to create policies and to enact practices that protect that equality also. And so, yeah, so there's this, there's, there's some layers to that heartbreak, but mostly it's just that I, I, I pray we get to a place in the world where we can see ourselves genuinely in the other. And therefore we work to protect that other. We work to uh, heal that other. We work to love that other. We aspire for justice for that other because that in that other is also me and yeah. vice versa. Oh yeah, that's so good. And the the heartbreak, you know, your your heart breaks because you love. You know, the mm. the I think an indifferent heart. 
you know, an unfeeling heart, an unseeing heart, uh, is, is a heart that does not own that interconnectedness or does not own that common root. Um, that we all are, we are all from the same place. We are all of us Africans, mm-hmm. if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, in mm-hmm. our uh, ontologically, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Biologically. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but we've can, been taught for I, so long how negative Africa is. We don't, we don't want to claim it as, oh my gosh. as home. And, and, and you, you, you took yourself right for your third oh, birthday. Sure I did. Yes, yeah. You did. Yeah. Yes, I did. Where, was, where did you go? Remind me. I was, Kenya. I was in Kenya. Uh-huh. I went yeah. to Nairobi and then down to Mombasa. Oof. One year, John and I um, did uh, South Africa, Namibia, Zambia, um, went all the way up, went up to Ghana. And, you know, in every place, you know, from Cape Hope to Accra, mm. to see the people who are my people. Um, to go to those to those to go to those slave castles though, mm. need some Xanax after that. Mm-hmm. It's quite painful. There's actually one uh, I wasn't aware of in Mombasa. Yeah, uh, it's a, called Fort Jesus. As a matter of oh, fact, no. yep, yep. I didn't know that. And mm. so, so and many people not not including you in this, but so many people don't think that the slave trade took place on the on the eastern. Shores of Africa as well, Um, and so to see that was very eye-opening. But I'm just want I want to put on the record uh, in case it doesn't get edited out. But uh, just for the podcast, one of these days, I pray Jackie takes me to to South Africa and Namibia and all over Africa and Zambia. Yeah, so I can see my people too. So just just want to put that out there for the record. It, I, I think it's a, I think it's a worthwhile trip, uh, especially. We'll, we'll do that in a whole another conversation about how South Africa and America, like how they learned apartheid mm. from us. Right? Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. learned it. They really learned it well. Love, just as we think about maybe coming to a close, I, I wanted, I do want to ask you two questions. One is, maybe, do you think that love, does love have power to heal the world? Oh. Almost code switched, uh, but most definitely. <laughs> I almost forgot where I was. You know. Did you want to say hell yeah? Is that oh, yeah, that's, that's where I was going with it. That's where I exactly where I was going. I love that. So, so tell me, so tell me what what do you know for sure about love? Yeah, what do you know for sure about love? Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's wonderful. Um, I know for sure. Um, that love will always persist. Love will always outlive us. Love predates us. Um, love also transcends us. But I also believe that love is complicated uh, because love does not always look like we might want it to look. Um, it might not always feel like we want it to feel. And I ain't talking about no toxic love. Some of us know what it's supposed to feel like and what it's supposed to look like. I want to be very clear about that. Um, but there are also ways in which love can look like a fire. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the reason why I say that is it makes me think about uh, an image from graduate school. Um, we were at the Kennedy Space Museum and talking about the stars and talking about creation. And, you know, 
up close on one of those stars, it looks like you in the middle of a of, of hell itself, mm-hmm. in the middle of a in the, of a volcano, fire, lava, heat, destruction, toxic toxic gas, the whole nine yards. But when you zoom out far mm-hmm. enough, you can see creation happening, and those are worlds being formed and stars being created and planets being shaped and galaxies coming together and it's so beautiful to behold you know and so that image for me encapsulates how i perceive god and god's movement in the world how i perceive love in the world um and again it it might not always look like we might want it to look it might not always feel like we want it to feel you know but it's imperative that we hold on to a to a sense of of faith and trust uh and and the god who is love um that god is working it all out together for good for those of I mean, you just quote it all the way out for those who love the lord and call according to the lord's purpose you know um and so trusting in that um and in tr- and, and trusting in that you know, that sense of a of a, a, a zoomed out sort of view and perspective of the whole um of, of what it is uh god and what it is that love is doing in the universe yeah for the sake of creating something new well daryl that's just a beautiful place to to land today thank you wishing you so much love today well thank you it was such a pleasure to to, to be with you as always and to just share and to just talk it's, it's so wonderful to be a part of this team uh, and to get a chance to learn from you and with you. Uh, and so thank you so much for the, again, this opportunity to join you today. Thank you, love. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Love period is... Corey Big, Paul Swanson. Izzy Spitz. Sarah Janzak. Jenna Kuiper. Sarah Palmer. Nicholas Kramer. And I'm Calissa Brewster. This podcast is produced by the Center for Action and Contemplation, which is located in the heart of New Mexico, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. We also have other podcasts you might like. You can find those wherever you like to listen by searching for Center for Action and Contemplation or visit us at cac.org to find out more about our other programs. From the high desert of New Mexico, We wish you peace and every good.